uh, the idea of living well in the challenges of life. As far as I know, and with as many people as I know, we want to live well, don't we? As a matter of fact, in many, many instances, we want to live better. We're looking for that dynamic. We're looking for that reality. And, uh, you know, we struggle in lots and lots of ways. Uh, the character that we look at in this text today that we'll study for some weeks, it begins with great struggle and difficulty. We struggle in relationships. You know, how many, don't put up your hands, but don't we? Uh, sometimes it's a marriage relationship. Sometimes it's a family relationship. We struggle at work. Anybody have the perfect workplace and there are never any struggles there? You know, we struggle in friendships. We struggle. It's just a dynamic even within ourselves and because of ourselves. And ultimately, the question becomes, how do we do life well? How do we maximize living and live well? Well, we're going to look at uh, the story from the Bible of a man named Gideon for a few weeks, uh, a man whose life um, wasn't going well at the beginning uh, of this text that we'll look at today in Judges. Um, but who found it became dramatically better as his story emerges with God. Gideon was one of those people who was raised up to lead God's people as one of the judges of Israel. It's the term that was given. Really a political and military leader more than anything else uh, these judges were. It was after Moses and Joshua and, you know, the, the conquest of the promised land, the people of Israel went into, into the land that God gave to them. And before the kings of Israel... Saul and King David and King Solomon reigned. In between those two dynamics, uh, the judges reigned as need be, and God would raise them up. He would call them to serve him and, and to give leadership to his people. Um, and I want to suggest to you that through the life of this man, there are tons of lessons that we can learn about maximizing life, about maximizing the life which we live. Scenario here that we have uh, is, is pretty clear. The circumstance. God's people have a history of God blessing them in dramatic and beautiful and remarkable ways. God has been present to them. God has covenanted himself to them. He has poured out his, his strength and his power upon them when they've needed it. He, he's provided for them when they've needed it. Um, but in this situation, that's not happening. They're in a tough place in life. And they are struggling significantly. So I want to read to you in, in ver ver various sections, uh, the beginning of Judges chapter 6. And we'll start with verse 1 to look at their circumstance. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now I recognize that first line as a powerful, hefty, significant line. as a way to say things. The Israelites, God's people, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Essentially what's going on here is that they are, have embraced idolatry. It, they kept sliding back into it time and time again. And they're in one of those seasons where they have embraced the practices of the people among whom they live. They're doing what everybody else is doing, if you want to put it that way. They're looking to idols, and they're sacrificing to idols, and they're worshiping idols, believing that stone pillars, the Baal, and the wooden pillars, the Asheroth, that as they worshipped and as they sacrificed, that these inanimate objects had the power to bless their lives, specifically to give them children and to bless them in, in terms of the crops that they would depend on, of course. God sees what's going on, and as he always does with his people, he essentially gives them to, the freedom to choose to do what they choose to do. But in 
these years, as, as been, have been described here, these seven years, God, out of love and out of grace, in a, in a redemptive fashion, essentially chooses to take hands off. Um, and what follows in these years um, are, are, are real struggles and difficulties for God's people. Let me read to you verse 2 to verse 5. Because the power of Midian, their enemy and neighbor, was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkey. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them on their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Um, that's not a very pretty picture, is it? What's going on? Obviously, they have these neighbors, these powerful enemies who come on an annual basis, and they just bring destruction. Um, and, and they're left in a very terrible place. They were overwhelmed. They lose their crops that they have grown. They lose their livestock. They have to flee to the mountains to escape the power of the Midianites. They give up their homes to live in caves, or they create shelters in the rocks, like in crevices of rocks, some of them flee to fort fortified cities, strongholds, until their enemy leaves. And as a result, they're, they are hurting. They are poor. They are hungry. You know, when, when the Midianites would leave, they would plant new crops and they would start new herds, but the next year would happen all over again, year after year after year. It was a miserable time. It was a hopeless time. They were powerless to do anything about things uh, to, to change things and there's a word used in verse 6 which I want to read to you now that I think is so powerful verse 6 says this Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help now look at that word impoverished and think about living that way the, the core of the word impoverished is poverty these people were living in poverty Yes, physically, because of the destruction that the Midianites and others would bring to these people. But they're living in poverty spiritually and relationally in every way. Their lives are difficult, and their lives are a struggle. Um, and here's what I want you to really grapple with today, and we're going to bring application to our lives, of course, as we always do from the Bible. The way they are living is absolutely crazy. It makes absolutely no sense because God was with them. God was right there, and I want you to hold on to that phrase. He was right there with his people. He hadn't abandoned them. He just took hands off for a season. He, this God who had created the heavens and the earth and who had created this nation called Israel, was able to overpower the overpowering enemy and to do so with ease. It wouldn't be hard for God to destroy the Amalekites, which is what happens as the story carries along. But listen to verse 7 to 10 then, based on their circumstance and what they did. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. And I want you to notice the word I as I read this text, because it's repeated so often, and I think it's it has great significance. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship, other, worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Um, that last phrase needs to jump out at us today, my friends, because that's the problem that these people find themselves in. You see, what this text is saying is God had a long history of acting for his people. God had a long history of, of doing for them what they needed done, of exercising his power to bless their lives. As it says, he, he had gotten them out of slavery in Egypt, overcame the will of Pharaoh. He had destroyed Pharaoh and his armies at the Red Sea and given them that route of escape on dry land. He had given them food and water in the desert wanderings, which they engaged for 40 years. He drove out the enemies in, in battle after battle as they took the promised land. Remember Jericho? Who won that battle? It was God's presence, God's action. And what God is saying here is, I have done so much for you, and I'm so ready to do so much more, but you have not listened to me, my people. And you see, the scenario is really simple. These people could be doing life with God, knowing incredible blessing from God. But essentially, they are doing life without him. And I want to tell you, that's crazy. Because you see, the reality is instead of having blessing, they are living with suffering and with oppression and with fear and with hopelessness and with defeat year after year after year. They don't have to be, but they are. And it makes no sense. You know what? We too often do the very same thing. You know, we live, can I put it this way, impoverished lives because of it. Oh, it's not very often in our circumstance a physical poverty, but a spiritual poverty, an emotional poverty, or a relational poverty. And we struggle, and we hurt, and we don't maximize life because of this very dynamic you see, God is there to overcome that which brings harm into our lives. God is there to bless every single one of us, can I put it this way, richly, to pour out his blessing upon us, to act for us, to see our enemy, the devil, whom Jesus described as the one who came to steal, kill, and destroy. Sound like the Midianites at all? And he does that in our lives if he's left to do it. But God can over overcome our enemy in his destructive ways and out of a, a real deep and profound love for you and for me God longs for us to be free and to give us victory in life he really does but my friends too often we don't listen to him that hit home at all for anyone here now, it's really easy for Jesus' followers, and I imagine most of you are here. You've come to faith in Christ, and you, you've found forgiveness from God, and you become a child of God, and you're reconciled to God, and you follow Jesus. It's really easy at this point for you to stand back and say, man, all those people in the world who don't know Christ, they're suffering because they don't listen to God. That's not untrue. There could be even people here today who have never come to faith in Jesus and God is right there with them and God is willing to bless them and he loves them and he's willing to act on their behalf to help them overcome that which destroys life. 
And I want to tell you, if that's you, you can come to Jesus and you can trust in him and you can invite him into your life and find forgiveness of your sin and have God as your father and Christ as your Lord and the spirit dwelling within you to bless your life. You can. And if that, if you hadn't taken that step yet, I encourage you to do so. But here's the point to those of us who are followers of Jesus today. This text is not written about non-believers. This text is written to the people of God who are not listening to their God and struggling as opposed to being blessed as a result. Living impoverished lives because of that reality. My friends, I want to tell you, God is right there for you. Can you embrace that? Can you take that to yourself? God is right there with you every moment of your life present to you he loves you and he longs to bless you and help you overcome your challenges if only we will listen to what he has to say now how do you do that well more on this next week but essentially we do exactly what the israelites were doing um and too often we engage in idolatry and we'll play this out next week and it's not stone pillars or wooden pillars but we do it and uh, we're going to learn how to address that and challenge those realities but God says to us Exodus chapter 23 and 4 listen to this part of the Ten Commandments you shall have no other gods before me he had spoken this to his people and he speaks it to us you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below don't worship other gods and I'm going to explain to you a little bit here mostly next week how we engage in that and if you don't I'd be surprised I have the temptation to do it constantly and I'm very aware of it and sometimes I do we've got to listen to what God says and we've got to turn away from idols and we've got to embrace the Lord and his word and his way but I want to give you a verse to play this out in greater detail I want to give you a verse which has been really formative in my life um, for a long, long time. And I think it's one of those verses that's really helped me to grasp what we call a biblical worldview. In other words, a, a, a capacity to see the world with God's eyes, the biblical eyes, and to live our lives, yes, in a very different way, uh, the way of Jesus, the way that we're called to live faithfully before him. And it's this, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, and I'm going to add to a woman because that's what the text means. There is a way that seems right to a man and a woman, but its, but its end is the way of death. <laughs> other words, other, other texts say there, there is a way that appears right to a man or a woman, but its end is the way of destruction. You get the idea. There are ways that we think that make all the sense in the world to us, and we act upon them, but it doesn't lead to maximized living. It leads to death, according to Scripture. Talk about poverty. <laughs> We're going beyond poverty to death itself. And we, God speaks into our lives and he, out of love, tells us you know, how to live and how to maximize life and how to engage life. But my friends, we think what we think and we think we know better than God and we don't listen to him. And I'm going to ask you this morning, do you do that? No. I'm going to ask you this morning, how do you do that? Because I think to some degree all of us do. How about, how about this? I'm going to give you some examples. Relationships. 
We are called in relationships to forgive. That surprise anyone here? <laughs> Jesus says that's what we need to do. When you're wronged, forgive the person that you have wronged. But so often our response is, I don't want to forgive. That doesn't make sense to me. There's a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but its end is destruction or death. It doesn't make sense to me because that person wronged me. Why should I let them off the hook? I'm going to hold them over that barrel. I'm either going to get revenge or I'm going to just kind of hold it against them for as long as I live. And when we function in that way versus in the way of Scripture, the way that Jesus calls us to listen to and to act upon, who is the one who ends up harmed? We are because we hold resentments sometimes for a lifetime. And we are harmed. We don't maximize life. That takes away from the blessing that God would have for us, knowing forgiveness and freedom from the wound. Anybody here not listening to the word of God when God says forgive the people who have wronged you? Even though it might not make sense to you? How about this one? Find joy in giving and being incredibly generous like me, says God. This God of, of abundance and of blessing and of giving. The Bible comes along and says, you will find joy in giving. It says, don't love your money. It says it's better to give than to receive. And some people think, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. I need to accumulate. I need to pile up lots of money in the bank and, 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 and have it for myself because, you know what, that's going to provide significance to me. I'm an important person because look how much money I've got. That's going to provide security to me. I'm safe because of it. It doesn't make sense to give away so much and to be like God, even though God says you'll find joy and life in being incredibly generous. Anybody fit that category? Anybody called to tithe biblically and refuse to do so? Because it doesn't make sense. Well, how could I pay my bills? I can't do that. Well, you can't do it probably because you're spending too much money on something else and you're not trusting God to provide for you as he has promised he will. Right? And he's saying, give as I call you to give. Be generous to the poor. Help the needy. Love people with the resources that I have entrusted to you. And out of that dynamic, out of that rea reality, will come what? Joy. Joy. How about sexuality? There's a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but it's, it, it, in, in the end, it's, it leads to what? Death. The surrounding peoples will tell us what to do with our sexuality, and that will make sense to us in our heads because, of course, we're fallen people and we don't think the way God thinks, and we need the Bible to help us to see it and understand it and embrace it, but we think it doesn't make sense to me to wait until marriage. Like, I love this person. They love me. And God says very clearly in Scripture, no, first you move away from your original family, then you take covenant vows in my presence, and then you engage in a physical intimacy that joins two people together, that bonds them together both physically, but also mentally and emotionally and spiritually at the deepest level so that you will have the marriage that you long to have for a lifetime. That's where maximized life will be, but you have to listen to me, even though it might not make sense to you. See, so much of this stuff, it won't make sense because the perspective of our world is what it is. It's fallen, but the perspective of God is holy. 
and beautiful and dynamic and life-giving if we will only listen to it. Okay, how about this one for young folks that are here? And then as we grow older also, what's the word of God say? Obey your parents. That makes no sense, Chris. <laughs> are you out of your mind? You, you don't know how crazy my parents are <laughs> and what they want me or not want me to do. The Bible says obey your parents. And when we grow up, we're called to honor our parents. The Old Testament commandment, primarily in its original form, is about honoring people in their latter years when they are vulnerable and they need us to care for them like they once cared for us as children. Well, it doesn't make sense for me to obey my parents. I mean, they just, they're, they're old-fashioned. They're out of it. They make, I don't care if it doesn't make sense in this culture, nor does the Word of God. And it doesn't matter whether our thinking produces um, a, a perspective because if we just hold on to our own thinking about these things, it can easily lead to destruction and death. But we're called to live in obedience to our parents and to honor them. I like this one. And I, I come back to it on occasion. To exercise a weekly Sabbath. To take one day a week, here we are, for the Christian churches on a Sunday, where possible. It's not my Sabbath, believe me, but where possible you do it. But find one day a week, normally on a Sunday, and to give that day to God, to step away from work, to step away from all demands, to truly enjoy a day with God in worship, with family, to do something that you, you totally love so that you are restored for the rest of the week. It's written into the creation mandates in Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> it's there. Jesus said the Sabbath is given for us. Not, 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 it, it exists for us, for our blessing, for our benefit. And my people, God says, if you do this, you will maximize your life. You will find yourself blessed. No, I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I can't do that. I get, I get too much work to do. I can't step away for an entire day. Are you crazy, Chris? God? <laughs> See, part of stepping away for an entire day is to do so absolutely trusting that God can provide for me and for my work and for my financial resources and circumstance. And it's not all up to me. I live in the care and in the hands of a God who loves me. <clears throat> One more. And this sort of strikes at a foundational reality. It is really simple and it is very common. In the way that we were born, that we think we ought to live for ourselves. Put self first is the way that it's often described. Isn't that normal? Isn't that how we live? You know, you look after yourself, you take care of yourself. What does the Lord say? No, 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 no. Don't live for yourself. You live first for me. And out of that living for me and worshiping me and honoring me with your life, then you live to serve others and to build my kingdom. That's what God says. Now listen to me, as you form your lifestyle, whether it's intentional or whether it just happens, do you live to serve God? Does your lifestyle, if you were to actually write it down on a piece of paper and, and, and think about how you spend your time and your energy and, you, and, and the commitments that you make, is it given over to serving self or is it given over to serving God by serving people? Now that's a profound question. Because it's so normal to think that we do it without thinking, <laughs> that we live for number one. 
See, in all of these things, whether, wh- whether it's the money or whether it's the lifestyle dynamic, Jesus said, you know, it's possible to gain the whole world, lots of money in the bank, serving self, but to lose your soul. You won't maximize living. You will experience death, destruction. Here's my point to you, my friends. God is right here. He is this close to you and to me. And he loves us from the core of his being. He loves us and he speaks to us in scripture. And he says, like, live like this. You know, here's how to live. I'll enable you, I'll empower you, I'll strengthen you, I'll provide for you. I am present to overcome the destructive tendencies that are in your life. But you've got to listen to me. And the crazy, crazy thing is, as the followers of Jesus, we often don't bother. And that makes no sense. None. You know what the, uh, another crazy thing the Israelites did in this text? They persisted in this way of living. Think, not living in their homes. They're living in caves. They're not living with abundance and blessing. They're living with, in poverty, right? They're not living with joy. They're living with fear. They persist in this way of living for seven years before they cry out to God. You know? They knew what God could do. They've got their scriptures. They've got their history that is filled with the reality of God being right there and acting in power to help them accomplish incredible blessing. They know it. But for seven years, they kept looking to their idols to give them what they felt they needed, what they thought their idols could give. They didn't turn to God without turning away from their idols. You get that, right? And ultimately, the question that we address here today is about what we actually believe. What do we believe? These folks thought that stone and wooden inanimate objects could save them, could act in power for them, to bless them. And it's only after seven years of suffering that they turn to the God who could actually bless them, who could actually save them, who could actually maximize life for them. And in the end of the questions, I just want to say, yeah, the question is, will we listen? But the deeper question, my friends, is what do we believe? Do we believe that God has spoken to us? And that in listening to what he has said by faith and by trust, that we will find life. You know, we, we ultimately get to choose, think back to Proverbs 14, we get to choose our thoughts about things, or we get to choose God's thoughts about things. We really do. And it takes us to an understanding in a really functional way about what we believe about God and about what he has spoken and about our own thinking. Let me tell you this. Doing what God calls us to do, thinking the thoughts of God after him, often will not make sense to us. It just won't because of the power of the culture, because of our human nature and our fallenness in that way. But if we will worship God and God alone, if we will honor God, if we will trust him and obey his word, my friends, we will find ourselves living in what Jesus called not maximized living, but abundant living. 
living with joy and with peace and with goodness in a way that we've never known before. And I want to tell you this, and I just want to, I want to strengthen the point that if we choose to actually do this because we actually believe it, we will live lives that are radically different from the rest of the world. You know, there's an underlying assumption in this world we need to be like the rest of the world uh, in, in the church too often. We need, to be, we need to dress like them. We need to drive the cars like they drive. We need to live in the houses like they live. We need to talk like them. We have holidays. We need to do everything like the world does because that's the way... <laughs> but my friends, when we really take Scripture seriously, when we really embrace those thoughts and make them our own and live in such a fashion because we believe in this God who has spoken and in His Word, we will live dramatically differently from the world. And that indeed is what we are called to. Now listen, we are at the beginning of a new year, aren't we? And a new decade. And that's why we're talking in these terms. My question for you, as we embrace this new year, this new, new decade, and by the way, why not think about it for the rest of your life for that matter? How will we live? How will we believe that we can take hold of the life that we long to live? Well, the Word of God says this, and here is my summary statement. God is with you. Like, if you don't, haven't believed it to this point, believe it now. He's right here with us today. And when you go home, he'll be right there with you. There's nowhere you can go beyond him. He loves you and he is present to you. And he is ready to bless you. He is ready to act on your behalf. He is ready to exercise his power as he does with the Israelites as the story unfolds. Go and read it this afternoon. He will be a huge part of your life if we will only believe what he says, listen to what he has spoken, and choose it. So what do you do? And here's how we're going to end today. Number one, we're going to have another one of those times of quiet prayer in the presence of God. Number one, we do what the Israelites do. They cried out to the Lord. They say, God, I need you. <laughs> These idols don't work anymore. <laughs> and we're really suffering here. And we need you. I'm tired of living in caves. And I'm tired of living in poverty. I want more out of life. And I need you. And again, some of you will do that maybe today for the very first time. And if you do that, I celebrate with joy because that will bring blessing into your life like you've never known. Not always easy life, but a blessed life. And there was others of us here who have followed Jesus maybe for quite a long time. You know what? We're in those tough spots and we need to cry out to the Lord as well. It happens over and over again. See, we can turn away from idols and we can turn to God and we can commit ourselves to following Jesus and knowing him and trusting him. Anyone need to do that here today? The second question I'm going to ask you to grapple with in the presence of God, and you do one or both of these as you are led, but I want to ask you today, having heard the word of God read and preached, will you listen? That's kind of simple, huh? But some of you will listen and some of you won't. And I trust and I pray that in the quietness of this last half an hour, the Spirit of God has said to you, well, that's what I want you to listen to. There it is. <laughs> I'm speaking to you today. This is what I want you to do. And I want to tell you, we can be like the Israelites for seven years and prior to that who don't listen and find ourselves impoverished. 
or we can listen to how the Spirit of God has spoken to us today and we can believe that He loves us and that His thinking is right in spite of what we might think and we, we step out in faith and obedience to God and to God's Word and find blessing. And here's the deal. Every single one of us gets to decide which to do. I hope and I pray with all of my heart that you will follow in the way of God, that you will trust him, that you will hear what he says to you, whether it be now or next week, doesn't matter, when he speaks through his word, by his spirit, that you will listen to what he has to say and you will obey. So let's go into prayer. Uh, just quietly close our eyes and those of you who wish to engage this can and if you don't want it you don't have to you know it's always that way here but I would ask you just to sit in the presence of God who is right there with you know that his spirit is with you and you might say hey Lord I need to cry out to you because I'm in, I'm in a tough spot and I need you to act for me if that's your case go ahead and do it if you've never invited Christ into your life now would be a great time to Cry out to him and say, Lord, save me. Come. Come into my life, into my heart. Others of you might just want to say, Lord, it's time for me to listen. I've heard you speak. I'm going to trust you. And today I commit myself to doing what you've called me to do. So let's go into prayer. I'll finish in a minute. You respond to God as he is leading you right now. Um, but engage him that you might know maximize living. Lord, hear your people now as we cry out to you, as we acknowledge that we have heard and are ready to act in faith and in obedience. Come, Spirit of God, minister to us now, we pray. God, we thank you that you are right here with us. Always have been, always will be. Thank you, God, that you're a God of love. And that when you have spoken through Scripture, as you speak today by your Spirit, God, we hear. We hear the words that will give us life, not death. God, help us to believe what you have spoken and not trust our own thoughts, but to trust yours. And God, give us the grace and the, and the wisdom, Lord, the capacity to simply act, live our lives based on what you have spoken. 
that we might find life. God, we've got a year before us and then a decade. Help us to live this year and the years to come as people who are living, yes, radically different lives than the rest of the world, but, Lord, who are living lives blessed by you, richly blessed by you, because we have simply trusted what you have spoken, and who are living according to your word. Lord, we love you. And we want what you want for us. And we want to know your best. God, give us the grace, give us the capacity to step in by faith to the life that you've called us to live. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand to your feet? <clears throat>